I had a, a college professor that defined church in a way that I'll never forget. It made such an impression because he defined church as a body of baptized believers bought by the blood and bound by the book. I love that definition of the church because it goes beyond how many people are gathered. Is there a certain number you have to have to be the church? And really, the New Testament doesn't teach us that. Do you feel alone and in need of community? Perhaps you're part of a community, but still lack that true connection. We are in arguably the most connected times in history with the presence of technology, yet somehow we feel more isolated than ever. And the pandemic has certainly played a part in that. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. Today, I'm talking to Larry Riley, lead pastor here at Graceland, where he will teach us about the beginnings of the church and community of believers, what it has developed into today, and why it's still such a beautiful place to find that community that we all crave, we all need, and we were designed for. We talk about ways to get started and truly connected. And if you're already in a community and connected, hang on tight. This podcast is still for you. You might know someone who is in need of that community. Maybe you're unsure of how to help them connect the words to say this podcast truly is for everyone. So let's get this moment started. Pastor Larry, welcome. Well, thanks. Great to be here today, especially to talk about the church. Yes, we are so happy to have you. And before we get started, I want you to take a moment and just give us a little quick picture of who Larry is, tell us a little bit about your family, and what I like to call your ministry history. Okay, thanks. Love to do that. Well, I've been in ministry for a long time, so I started out in high school, actually, uh, just understanding that the Lord wanted me to be in ministry and the importance of the local church, what that really means to me. So as I walk through college, seminary, understanding exactly what God was designed for my own life and ministry, really always came back to the local church. I love the local church, what the local church is. So my wife Elizabeth and I have four kids, six grandchildren, and we've been fun to see our kids grow up in church, recognize the importance of being a part of a church family, and what that really means in ministry uh, for us was so very, very important. And so it really does uh, make a difference on how I view church because our experience inside that has been such a positive one with people who have gathered around us and the support system, uh, the connected pieces of that for us and for our kids um, just was so very important. So I love the church. I love to talk about the church and I'm excited about today. Okay, well, let's get started. Before we talk about kind of what the church has developed into, let's go back to the beginning. Will you kind of pave the road to what the the New Testament, when the church was first started, what did that look like? What kind of expectations were there for believers? And then we'll talk about what it looks like today. Yeah, huge uh, opportunity to look back at the church and see how the church was formed and what happened to the church. There's been so much history related to the formation of the church and the and the development over the church over 2,000 years. Uh, from the time where Jesus said to Peter that it's on your faith, the church is going to be built on you as the rock. And it really had to do with faith and uh, of Peter himself and what that was looking like. And not just that it was built on Peter's faith, but the faith of people of God who had surrendered. And that really is a key point of that. As the church began to form, obviously, you look at the book of Acts and you see the formation of the church. And in that formation of the church, I think um, we began to recognize that we are part of the body of Christ 
Christ really recognized and taught us that the church is that body belonging to him. So in the church world, as we recognize historically, you have the, the formation of what would be known as, as the universal church. I think the New Testament speaks to that. We're all part of that body. Uh, so that means as believers, we are connected and what that looks like as believers. I think one of the things we have to do is, is to think in terms of what does the church person looks like. What does it mean by the word church? Uh, church is not a building. It's not geographically connected. Oftentimes it's not, uh, as we think of it, a certain method or a certain style. But the church is not just in America. It's all over the world. And so when you look at what happens in churches in East, East Asia or South Asia or India or Africa, how they function is very different. But at the basis of that function for the early church, and even today, is that the church was connected with a group of believers, people who say they are committed to Christ. And a second huge part of that was then they're going to be baptized. It's a part of baptized believers who have identified, and that's what baptism is, it identifies. So you get that early history of the church, uh, the universal church, where those who are coming to the body, and then through Acts, and then you get into the epistles and the New Testament, and then into church history, the formation of local bodies, what it meant to come together in geographical communities, uh, areas that, that might be a city, like Philippians, for example, or the city of Philippi, the body of the local believers who were there. And then as you look at the expanded growth of that, it also had to do with how they moved into homes. Even the early church was home-based, uh, or they didn't have buildings. It wasn't related to that. We've seen that uh, just change over the centuries and what that looks like. But moving through historically, the church as being the body of Christ to the local body, to the individual families, all the pieces of that. Um, but again, it comes back to the fact that the church then is a as a body of baptized believers. I had a, a college professor that defined church in a way that I'll never forget it and made such an impression because he defined church as a body of baptized believers bought by the blood and bound by the book. I love that definition of the church because it goes beyond how many people are gathered. Is there a certain number you have to have to be the church? And really, the New Testament doesn't teach us that. It just says that we are a body of people. First uh, Corinthians talking about what that looks like, a body of people who have been baptized, believers in Christ, bought by the blood of Christ, and bound by the Bible, the book that teaches us how to walk. Okay. So some historical background to that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So you said the, the church is not the building. And I love that. And I, I can kind of see the funnel that we start very broad as baptized believers across the world right. to to church buildings for a lot. But some it's it's morphed out of that, especially with the pandemic, not being able to meet in church in and in a physical building. And then we see in, at Graceland the importance of small groups. So we we have the saying here and I if I mess this up, correct me. But we talk about worshiping large and connecting small. Yeah, that's right. Any church that's going to have a, a larger congregation that's gathering together, the real heart of the church is a small community. Because uh, in any large gathering, you're not really building community. You're worshiping together, singing, hearing the Bible taught, uh, having some interaction with people. But it's in the groups, uh, the small 
small groups where you're connecting with people that really does make the difference. And the larger a church becomes in number, the smaller it has to become in community and relationship. And that happens through connecting people. And we've seen that a lot over these last six months, right? The, the church gathering, the church in, in large group now not being able to gather. What is that going to look like? How do we function through that? But then at the same time, trying to be true to what the church is. How do you build community with that? But it changes our thought pattern because before we thought, well, we had to have a building. We had to gather at this place. But now it's a gathering of people in relationships. And it may be online gathering. It may be trying to understand how we connect with people in different ways. And it's new for us at Graceland. It's new for us in American culture. Um, but it's not so new in a lot of other cultures around the world. Uh, so the pandemic and other cultures, for example, in Africa, they, they don't have buildings. They're meeting outside. They're meeting in huts. They're meeting in small groups. They're meeting in clusters. And so the pandemic didn't change how the church functioned because they were already, the whole core of that is we are in relationship and community with each other. How do we take discipleship deeper inside that? Yeah, I think that really takes the pressure off knowing that you don't have to physically go somewhere to be a part of the church, although that is a good part of it. If you can, of course, many places still in this nation, they can't. Um, I think of, you know, our two greatest commandments, God, love God, and then love others. And when we come together either corporately in person or even online, as we're seeing a lot of churches move to, or even a hybrid of online and in person, um, we get to worship God and love God like that. But when we love others, that's really where that small church connection takes place in that loving others. So if someone is craving that community, what would that look like today for Graceland? If they, if they need a place to call home, how could they get connected to us here at the church? Yeah, I think this is a great question. Uh, being able to find connection through individual people in small groups is so important. We go back to that. Um, how they're looking at a gathering online or watching a service online or watching uh, discipleship opportunities online, but really in connection with each other. But our connection doesn't have to be face-to-face. -face. It can be in our culture today. We have great opportunity to do that through FaceTime, what that looks like, to be able to, to have a group of people who might be just doing that. doesn't have to be a Zoom call. It can be a Zoom call. It can be something more formal like that. Uh, but it's the building a relationship. One of the things, ways I explain that is, uh, as I said earlier, I have six grandchildren. Uh, one of those lives far away from us, but we have been able to watch him grow because every day we are able to see him on, on just a FaceTime together. So we have watched him grow physically, though we haven't been able to be around him, which is the same same concept, right? If we're working with a friend who is needs a discipleship or we're or we need discipleship, we need to, to connect with someone. Doesn't mean I have to be physically with them in order to touch them, but it means it means I have to be intentional. Right. So I'm going to be with this person on an intentional day. Hey, every day at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be praying for you. Know that every day at five o'clock, let's just talk together for 15 minutes. We're reading these verses together from the Bible. So discipleship then becomes new ways to explore what that looks like. And I think it really does take us back to uh, a, a really basic understanding of the church is the church is not about a building. It's about what we do in relationship. 
It's about how we connect with people relationally and for us to change. Now, I do believe, saying all that, I do believe the Hebrews and the Bible teaches us that we should gather together in worship as we are able to do that. Uh, but it, it, and that able to do that becomes a big part of that. Again, because you can't take New Testament a word and just apply it to the church in America. It's got to be able to apply it to the global church around the world. And so what does he what does he talk about when he talks about gathering together? There's not that maximum number or that minimum number. It may be a few of us gathering around a phone or gathering around a table or gathering around the computer in order to build community with each other. Another part of that, I think, also is serving together. Mm. Um, because I think that's a big part of what the church is called to do. How do we serve? How do we serve the community? How do we serve each other? How do we serve people in the body who need help? Uh, and I think we're seeing kind of, I, I believe the future is seeing churches that are willing to say, hey, we're serving together, and it's not so much focused on us being together. It's focused on us serving our community. And finding ways to do that, I think, will be a new challenge for us. Yeah, and, and a mindset shift, too, of when you come to church thinking that the church is there to serve you versus you are there to actually serve the church and serve each other. Yeah, well, that's what he talks about in First Corinthians, right? That's the whole part of the body. Mm. The body is made up of different parts in order to serve and edify each other inside that. It wasn't about being a part of the body and having a place in the body so that my needs are met. It's being a part of the body so that we're being in community and helping each other. So I think that's uh, that's forcing us to rethink and to not only rethink, but to be intentional about how we bring people together in the church, not just, hey, we're coming together to have church or to worship, whatever those words are that we've used, but it's how we come together to church so that we meet the needs of people in the church, part of the body, and to see the importance of seeing people outside the church who need to see how we care for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Now, there are a lot of people listening who are part of the church, who are connected, but might have someone in their circle of friends or in their community that they believe they're not connected and they want to see them come to either their church or, or at their community. What is the suggestion that you might give someone who knows someone very close to them who wants to get them connected, but maybe they just don't know what to say. They don't know how to not, I don't want to use the word persuade, but sometimes people need to see that they're alone and they really do need people around them to, to rally around them. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who need that right now. There are a lot of people mm -hmm. who are struggling with loneliness and being by themselves. So I think it, it really is upon us as Christ followers to find ways to connect with those friends that we know in a very personal way. I think you have to see the long game of that, not the short game. I think you have to be able to say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to love you. This is what I, how I want to care for you. This is how I want to minister to you. Uh, and then at the same time, introduce them to opportunities. There are lots of local churches around. Every local church isn't going to fit every person. They're going to be different. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that that's different. And your friend, though, you might want them to come with you to this local church. They might not fit there. So you have to help them find really where they connect and who they connect with and what that looks like. Uh, one of our parts of our vision statement here is uh, being able to see transformation in the generations. And so I think when you look around our Southern Indiana culture specifically, there are lots of generations who have lots of different needs. How you as an individual care for your friends in those different areas is very important. 
I also think prayer is a big part of that. I don't think we recognize the the impact of prayer, just of praying on a regular intentional basis for a specific friend or a specific family who needs to be connected uh, so that, that we get wisdom from God on what to say to them, how to connect them. So I would start by really praying with them, uh, praying for them, being intentional of understanding what their needs are. Again, if we can see them instead of, hey, I want you to go to church with me, because when we say that, it's almost me-centered, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to go with me. Well, I just want you to go. Mm -hmm. I just want you to get connected somewhere. Where's the best place for you and your family? So I think framing that question a little different in our minds can also be helpful. It's more about building that relationship. It is about the relationship that you have with them and what you want for them in that relationship. And you want the best for them. Of course, we'd love for them to be with us. But if that's not the best for them and their family, that should be okay with us because we're in that kind of relationship with them. Well, I thank you. I think you have given us a lot to think about. For those of us who have people around who need connected, you've given us some some thoughts to chew on as we approach those friends. Um, for those of us who are looking for that community, you've given us a place to start and kind of allowed us to see what our role in that would be. And I appreciate your time with us here today. Yeah, it's been great being here, thinking about the church. There's so many components. There's so many things. But how do we love people? How do, how do we care? It's the real heart of the church. The heart of who Christ is, is how do we love people into the relationship with him? So that's the desire. Well, that's all I have for this moment. There are many ways you could have spent this time, and I'm just honored that it included us. I look forward to our next moment together. But until then, I would love it if you shared this with your friends by word of mouth or on social media and leave an honest review. When you rate and review us, it's helpful because it allows us to get connected with other people who might also be interested in this podcast. We air a new moment each Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of those. And lastly, I love connecting with listeners. I'm really here to serve you. If you have a topic you'd like me to include, a struggle you're having, or question you would like answered, you can send those to gracelandmoments at gmail.com. And until our next moment brings us back together, I hope you leave refreshed and encouraged today.